Welcome to season two of the Talk Tonight podcast. It really is great to be back and I'm going to be bringing you some episodes right up until Christmas for those cold winter nights that are approaching us. My first guest of season two, which is now episode 11, is Catherine Popper from New York. She is in the band Puss in Boots with Nora Jones and Sasha Dobson, but has also played with many, many artists, including Jesse Malin and also Ryan Adams and the Cardinals. We talk about her love of the UK, touring, growing up uh, playing bass, uh, New York, a bit of political stuff in there, and we also talk about some of the great albums that she's worked on, including one of my favourites, Jacksonville City Nights by Ryan Adams and the Cardinals. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee or a hot chocolate maybe, coming into the winter, and enjoy. Welcome to the first episode of season two of the Talk Tonight podcast. I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by Catherine Popper all the way across in New York. Catherine, how are you feeling? Hey man, I'm feeling pretty good. Now, (laughs) we've just been talking just before we started there, obviously this is a weird time for everyone. How have you been coping in lockdown and how has it been creatively for you across lockdown so far? Well, um, you know, being in New York, uh, I had a lot of friends who were affected. I lost some friends and it was really, it was really scary. And, um, I have diabetes and asthma, so I was scared shitless. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was just such a awful time for the city and people were leaving, um, and I, I have to admit, you know, for a few months, uh, I didn't, I wasn't interested in being creative. Um, it was about surviving. Um, I had a great, I have a great support network, talking to them. Um, I had my metal detector and was like metal detecting. I was, whatever. It was like rest, <laughs> you know, freaking out, getting support, um, staying connected. And like, I don't think I picked up. A musical instrument for months and um slowly started to and i've had a a creative wave that i've never had before in my life because i in general i fucking hate music <laughs> <laughs> that's it's crazy how like going through this journey i i I've struggled a bit at time with anxiety i struggle with that a lot and feel intense but and try to keep away from the news i can can you give us a feel for what New York is like at the moment in, in terms of the city? And is it qu- very quiet and is it quite scary at times? Um, well, you know, like full disclosure, we, um, a friend of mine had an empty house in Long Island and we, we left and stayed in that house. Um, and I moved. I, I had planned on moving on April 1st. So we were able to move that to may and then i think to june but i basically paid rent on two apartments it was insane Mm. Um, you know rented a car and uh you know savings bye-bye but you know hey i'm just it was i'm really glad to be alive like two people in my broadway pit got really sick like really sick with it and we were all in such close quarters so uh i would say that it's um you know, a lot of people have left New York. I think those are people that might have left anyway. Um, I think people with kids, a lot of people with kids have left. 
Love the sirens. I guess you can hear the yeah. sirens. Yeah, it brings it to, it brings it to kind of life when you hear it in the background. There is, you know, and also I live on a street that uh, it's there's certain hours of the day that's a little crowded. I'm on the sixth floor, so uh, if you want me to pause, I can. No, it's okay. It's absolutely okay. Um, this is okay. this is this is what I like. This is this is real life. Right. It's, it's happening this, now. This, so this has honestly been what it's like. There's um there's been an uptick in violent crime here. I think in the press, it's like New York City is a war zone, and that's not true at all. Like, yeah. Uh, there, but there has been an uptick in crime. Um, it's definitely it's change. It's a different feeling in the air um one of excitement one of fear and uh you know i don't look like somebody the other day i was parallel parking and they didn't like the fact that i pulled up next to their car and she just laid in on me and i thought you know i'm just not gonna look at it because people are crazy right now yeah just <laughs> we, we get that a lot here just even going to like the, the supermarket or the shop you know if you bang into someone's trolley they're like ready to lynch you and like i, I was just reaching for some yogurt dairy-free yogurt that's all i want you know <laughs> it's just like it's, yeah totally it's crazy but so that that's so oh, thanks for being so honest about how that is right now and that's that you know you've shared quite a lot to say how quite your life's kind of changed in, in the way you feel about things and, and then you've been obviously coming back with a bit of a, a creative. You've also, a record's come out in the, this time which we're going to come on to, but I want to talk a bit about your, you know, maybe some happier times when you were younger. Um, I just want to ask, how did playing bass from a young age change your views on music and, and did it change your taste when you started to get into that instrument? Well, and I just, I want to go ahead and say, First of all, that I think it's okay. I just want to reiterate, it's okay for people to be having a nice day. Yeah. Despite when you said, like, when times were happier, like, uh, you know, the the negative bias can make me remember that my life was shitty then, too. But, well, like, it's okay that people are, it's okay that people are, it's okay to have however you feel, however you feel today. And I feel like I'm having a nice day, even though I, I know that, there's a lot of really scary stuff going on. So I'll just start with that. But it's actually a good point because like today I've had a really good day today, but I think when you start talking about the negative stuff, it, like you say, it can change your mindset quite quickly. So that's that's a really good point. So let's rephrase that question. <laughs> so yeah, just tell us, you're having a great day. Think back to those times playing bass as a, at a young age, your views on music and, and how it changed the, the music you listened to and, and how you sort of progressed at a young age we playing an instrument? Well, I think, you know, I started playing piano when I was really young, and then um, I started playing upright bass when I was 10 in school. I, I played violin for a minute, and it was really loud and really close to my face, so I said, what's the, the, diff, the a very different one from this? And picked upright bass, and uh, it was, um, you know, I played in the orchestra, and then I went to music school and studied classical music. And I, I went, I got a degree in jazz, upright bass. And, um, you know, the whole time I was doing this in, in New York, I was going to see, you know, when I was old enough to drive, I started taking my upright bass to the uh, contra dance. And I was learning how to play Irish trad. Uh, <laughs> Brilliant. I got, yeah, I got my nose broken at a, at a punk show. Like I, uh, I just, you know, this was, I always say at a time before you could just pull your, you know, when people say, I listen to anything, like it used to be really hard to do that. You had to go to five different record stores. Yeah. Um, and I would do that. I actually read uh, Jeff Tweedy's 
latest, he's got a new book coming out, but his last book, and he was talking about that, he had to travel so far just to pick up this record and, and come all the way back, and it took him a whole day just to get it, and I mean, now you can access it in, in you know, segments online and things like that. How do you think that sort of changed from when you were younger? Do you think the spirit's lost a little bit on buying music now? Is it more too accessible? You know, it's weird because there is a part of me that's like, these kids don't know how good they have it, but literally that's 10% of me, um, which I'm like honoring that 10% because I burned a lot of gas and, and a lot of effort, but I think it's fantastic that people, like that somebody at 14 knows who Bill Monroe or Sonny Rollins or, you know, anybody is that like, you know, you used to, it used to be like rock, bluegrass, you know, like there would be a store that would have the other stuff. And then there was just this world music bin, which was literally, uh, you know, 85% of the world. It was a world music. It was like, I, was I, I remember that. I remember that in the record stores. It's like we've got some new records. And, oh, I'm not sure where it goes. Yeah, we're just putting world music at the end. Uh, it's like... <laughs> or these guys in a college that used to hit on me and they'd be like, you know, yeah, you like jazz as far as jazz because Miles Davis is the shit. And I'd, I'd be like, I want to challenge you to name three other jazz musicians. And now people can do that. So I think it's wonderful. That's, that's cool. Like some people I've spoke to, they're really dead against it. But I like the way you think of it. It's like, yeah, it's, it's maybe not at the spirit's not there, but people at a young age can get into so many different and I love how Spotify can do that it kind of says like if you like this you might like this and then you go off on a journey and just like spend hours listening to music which is pretty cool yes and it's changed the industry because it's hard enough to make a record right now yeah. but it used to be oh well there's like country sounding stuff and rock sounding stuff and you can't do that and now it's a little bit looser where it's like uh, it's because people are used to being able to listen to country music and then in the same breath, listen to rock. Like it's it's a little bit more. It's it's free. I think it's free musicians up. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, you mentioned that oh, you attended the North Carolina School of Arts, Manhattan School of Music. Was that something that you would say to especially a young person? Is that a good foundation to get your musical career off and running? A lot of people these days, I think, are obsessed. Maybe or I've seen anyway from Scotland is is getting on YouTube and getting a thousand views, a million views. Would you say going to school and learning your craft is a, is a good way to start your musical career? It's a good question because, you know, I knew I wanted to move to New York. Um, I had family. My dad emigrated with his family from Romania to here. So I, I came to visit from a young age and I knew that I wanted to come to New York. Um, and I had a relative who died and left some money and said... Um, you can have this if you use it for school. I was like, what? Like, I could live on that and <laughs> get some good gear. And uh, so, you know, I honestly, I had to get some scholarships too. Like, it wasn't, you know, a ton of money. But um, I don't know how it would feel to have student debt. I imagine that it would be very, it would be a very uncomfortable feeling, especially during this time. But I I learned, let me put it this way, the stuff that I learned in music school was a great base uh, <laughs> for, for, my not, for my musical knowledge, but I, I definitely would never in a room say to people, 
this is the scale that you want to use or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, uh, <laughs> no, it's so, I don't think it's, I, whenever I'm around people who can't read music or who don't know the chords they're playing, it never occurs to me that, well, they should really know this. But as a working musician, I would say it's helped because I can write string arrangements. I can write horn arrangements. Um, you know, I know a lot about harmony and stuff, but again, who gives a shit? It's really interesting because there's so many musicians I've come across, like when I, I just one instance is uh, Noel Gallagher, and he's admitted he has no idea of scales. He plays, he sits and plays around on the guitar till something kind of, as he calls it, drops from the sky. It's amazing how, you know, you could be really technical, but some of the maybe the best songs are just the ones that you just play around with like a G, a C, a D, an A minor, an F, you know, something just comes up in a, in a nice combination and next minute you're writing lyrics and 20 minutes later you've got a song and it's like let's go and do this now i've got it it's just crazy like how everyone works differently and different experiences have shaped different careers and and things like that but it is good because that means any young person listen and we do get quite a lot of young people listening to the podcast is that don't be afraid just to pick up an instrument and and just crack on with it and have a go that's true. You know, the, the song that I wrote during a pandemic, it took me four months, and that is by far my record because it takes me a year to write a song. And I most of the songs that I listen to are three or four chords, do you know? So uh, I find that much more enviable than having, like, music theory knowledge. That, that, that's really interesting, Catherine. So you've got this song, you've been working on it for six, seven months, you're coming up to, like, the, the last part of the year. What... What is it that it, it makes you uh, take your time with it? Is it you want to maybe change some melody, some verse, some some lyrics, or is it just you, you keep editing and you want to make it as be- best as it can be? What, what does it, it make you push it out a bit longer than, well, you know, well, I don't say what most people do, but longer than you would think to write a song? I think it's just mean voices. Like, I have to, um, I'm writing, and the minute I start writing, the voices start coming in. And like every, every, like, I don't, I try not to have a lot of throwaway lyrics. Like I'm very, I love lyrics and I'm really careful. And they're, they're about very, very personal and specific things, but I also want to couch them in metaphor because I, you know, it's none of people's business, yeah. but I usually tell them what it's about anyway. But like, <laughs> it's, uh, I think what happens is I write until the voices grind me down. Like I sometimes I'll just try and like start writing before and like if the voices are hope they're sleeping or whatever, so then they grind me down and I put it aside for a day, two days a week, and I come back to it, and 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 I'll be like, hey, like that's pretty good, and then I'll get back in there and then like voices grind me down, come back three days later, I'm like, yes, yeah, yeah, I can relate to that, but I, I I've yeah. been writing loads, uh, I go through periods and it always seems to be leading into the winter. Uh, time that I get a bit of, you know, another day I was meant to be working, actually, if my boss is listening to this, probably kill me, but I was meant to be working, I just picked the guitar and said, I'm going to muck around, but I did it, I wrote it, and I wrote it all quite quick, and I got it, I thought, yeah, that's pretty cool, I like that, and then half an hour later, I thought, I'm going to play that again, and then, I, my, like you were saying, mind was like, the wee guy on the shoulder was like, that's rubbish, bin that, yep. get that away, out your notes on your iPhone, that's rubbish, yeah. but it's, it's weird, that's such a battle that you have musicians have, isn't it, trying to get that Forget about that voice in your head that's saying, "Look, that sounds like the Beatles." Don't don't nick it, or something like that. You know what I mean? It's it's crazy how that gets to gets in your head. Yeah, and I think you know I envy people who I've worked with who just they just shit hits. You know what I mean? They. <laughs> I like that. I like that phrase. I've tried to like 
just write a throwaway song. It's been pretty good, but I hate performing it because I'm like, oh, this is so... Ugh, like I, I don't know why I don't know why so. we're going to come on a little bit of that later on and about music and some of the albums you've been on so you can maybe tell us a little bit more about the processes but it's really interesting so let's say uh, talk on you have worked with a whole host of artists which one would you say has impacted you the most and probably been well maybe not the most enjoyable part of your career because it sounds like you've had so many cool experiences but what, what, you know, t- talk about some of the artists you work with that have really impacted your, your career and how you play music and write music. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, it's putting you on the spot. I know you sent the questions, but I didn't want to spoil it, so I just skimmed them. So, <laughs> I'm not, um, I mean, you know, playing with Ryan was uh, like I had a real confidence issue on stage. Um, I had a confidence issue singing. And, um, I think that was huge in like, you know, getting, just getting thrown into it. It's like, there's no time for sheepishness, you know? Yeah. And I think confidence is like so much of, it's so much of it, the confidence idea. Um, and the same thing happened with Puss in Boots with my band where, uh, you know, the the idea when they reached out to me to play, it was like, we need we need you to play drums. And then they said, wait a minute, we want to we want to play drums. You you need to play bass. Somebody has to like <laughs> lay, lay down the foundation. And then one day they looked at me and they're like, wait a minute, you need to be playing something else other than bass. And they had me singing and I was so nervous. And then they said, you need to bring in songs. And my um, my heart would I would say, I don't know. And they would say that's fine that you don't know, but let's play it now. Um, and then I think the other one would be Levon Helm. You know, he was so complimentary of my playing. He, everybody would say, Levon loved playing with you so much. He always said you were one of his favorite bass players. Like all this stuff that that's, made me think. That's amazing. Must lift your yeah, confidence so high to think. You can't suck if you're one of Levon Helm's favorite bass players. I think it's that thing as well. Again, we talked a bit earlier about it, the voices in your head get in and can really. I think there's such a, especially in Scotland. I'm not sure about where you are, but for young people, there's such a big thing around mental health and 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 people really a lot of anxieties, a lot of pressures, and rather than just believing, you know, just giving yourself a break and saying, "Look, you know, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm I'm getting there. I'm I'm improving." And I think the the little sort of people that you've said that you've worked with there and just kind of like how they've lifted your confidence. It, it must, it, did it get you to the point where you, you stopped and went, you know what, I am good enough to play at this and on these stages and with these people. And, and have you, have you give yourself a break now or do you still feel a bit fearsome at times, uh, fear, you know, fear on stage a bit when you're, you're playing with the girls? I think um, on stage, not as much anymore, but the voices, I mean, I would say the voices are still, you know, I've been a big percentage person this this interview, but like eighty percent of my life is 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 the mean voices, and, and I'm almost fifty now. You know, and I think I'm realizing that my path is to let the mean voices stay there because I've been fighting them. Yeah. And it's like you know, prove them listen, wrong. Mean or no, mean voice like 
this is what we're doing. Like, come in and have a seat and hang out. Like, you can be here. And there's, like, this is a party, so there's other people here too. And then they end up not being so mean because they're they're at the party with you, and they're like, okay, I'm in, I'm in here, I'm invited in. I'll maybe just hang That's about. The, yeah, don't need to be exactly. so mean. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like fighting fighting the voice is what's really draining instead of just letting the voice be there and still showing up. That's really good advice, actually. You made me think about that a whole different way. And <laughs> I'll go away tonight and probably not sleep tonight and have this little voice going, I told you, you wouldn't sleep. And I'm going to just let him hang. <laughs> let him hang there. I'll wait. I'll stay up all night and watch Netflix. It's okay. I can do that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, just to get back on track, um, just, uh, again, some great great mentions of some of the names there. One of the, my favourite artists from New York, in uh, and around New York, and I love his storytelling. I've seen him live a few times. Jesse Mallon, is he the greatest storyteller of all time? Forget the music, just telling stories on stage. You know, what is he like as a, a person to, to work with and, you know, to kind of write music with? What's, what's, what's he all about? Tell us a bit about Jesse. Well, it's so funny because I, I was just on the phone with him. It's one of the reasons that I was running late. He's, one of, he's a very close friend and, um, you know, he did, he opened for Ryan. He was on the bus for a minute and, um, I don't. I was drinking a lot. I haven't had a drink in thirteen years now. But he was. Uh, he was on the bus with us, and the, poor guy. We were smoking the bus, and we screamed. We were up all. <laughs> so I never got to know him. And then he asked me to play with him. I guess it's been what six years ago, and I thought sure. And he is just a stellar individual. And the stories that he doesn't tell on stage, like it makes me crazy because he has a great. You know, he calls them his bits. But his, <laughs> the stories that he just tells in everyday life, like he is, he's a gold mine. Um, and he writes, he's another one who shits hits. I mean, he's, he's very careful in his writing, but some of those songs, oh, like, just... I can't lyrically, uh, it's, yeah. I mean, the only reason I'm not playing with him now because my body, I just can't take touring physically. And so that's why I started doing some other stuff, including Broadway, yeah. but. I miss, like, every time he's doing a show, my heart sinks into my stomach. I just miss him so much. But we talk regularly, and I'm, I'm well, I'll, I'm releasing a, a single on his label, so we're talking a lot about that. Oh, cool. That would be so cool to yeah. hear. I've, I've just, like, even recently through lockdown, revisiting a lot of the, like, you know, older sort of stuff that I've got, and, you know, to hear, like, Queen of the Underworld in Brooklyn, and, and there's a song on his second album called Going Out West that... Like, mm-hmm. I was having a really bad day, just driving, like, endlessly, and just, like, he had this song, and he just took me back to, like, seeing him live, and, like, him telling the story about it, and, God, it could, it really moved me, like, just that day, I don't know what it was about that day, but it was just a tiredness, and, yeah, his songs are so, like, the stories that he tells on stage just link into the, the beautiful music that he has, and, he, he, like you say, he's worked so hard as well through lockdown to to bring the music alive again and he's done a lot of mm. sessions. He, I mean, God, he was doing a session with Debbie Harry as well. I seen, I noticed as well on his live stream, he's just like, endlessly just, kind of got that sort of mentality of maybe like Ryan, who you mentioned, like just that working and writing, working and writing, touring, writing, you know, just constant, like going for it. I mean, is, is when he is on tour and you, and you have played with him on tour, is he kind of, does he slow down at all, or is, it, is he kind of like just fast paced? Or you, you can maybe give oh us an insight. Oh my god, he never, he never stops. We're the opposite. Like I gotta check out. Like I get on, <laughs> you know, I look at dumb shit on the internet. Like he, because he's running his bars. Yeah. He, there are these things behind the scene that, that he's doing for people who need help, like friends, 
who are in like in having problems he does that and then he um, he's another example of somebody who is not musically trained at all and last uh this past record he would have me come over and he would say okay what is this chord like can you write can you make charts for me and then like every now and then i'd say you know that chord is actually the same as as this chord if you just change this one note like just little ideas and he would be floored i think i can't believe he doesn't know this because he writes so oh, well that's but, really surprising yeah. to hear because like you hear a song like you know brooklyn for instance the beautiful sort of song uh ballad or even like the the the, the end of that album there's a song called xmas and you're just thinking like you you just think oh god that was so technical, the solos and the, the chord progression. And to hear that from you, to think that he would just kind of work around with the guitar, that makes it probably even more like special to kind of understand the, the thinking about the songwriting. So that's that's crazy. I find that unbelievable. But there you go. It just Again, like you say, everybody works differently and they can still dream up these beautiful songs. You know, you don't have to be someone that has every sort of level of understanding of scales and, you know, all this octaves and everything that we get kind of taught at music school and stuff. So that's that's amazing. What, what a guy. And he continues to put out some fantastic records. And I know that he's um, close. Is he close? To, can you reveal? Is he close to having there's another record to come or some more music from him? He's, he, I mean, he's basically always working on something. And that's all I can really say because I'm not quite sure. There you go. There's a, a little, a little exclusive. <laughs> I'll try to drag that out there, but you did well. You did well. So. <laughs> oh, and I don't, I don't know. He's always, you know. He's got his toes yeah. in, in in some water somewhere, and something will be coming. That's that's for sure. I think. Yeah. This yeah. is a key. This is a like I ask this to every musician. I just love this question. Um, not really because I I kind of thought about it a lot, but um, I just love hearing the answers to it. So. When you're playing live, either an instrument, singing, or both, do you do you on stage? Do you lose yourself in that moment? Are you focused on the, the technical aspect of performing? I, I mean, I often ask because I want to just understand if you're up on stage and you're lost in that song that you maybe wrote with with the girls or any other musicians and the emotion of it all, or what the song means to you. Are you fully concentrated on right? I need to hit this chorus right for the you know the, the music itself. How does that kind of work for you on stage? Um, I think part of my, the meditative aspect of being on stage is noticing and witnessing the audience, witnessing how I sound, um, like the voices in my head, like they, it's all got to be there. It's not, I'm not up there. like, you know, it's not like I'm windswept on the beach with my hair. Like I'm working, <laughs> think, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm really a friend of mine, Keith Christopher, he's like one of the best bass players I've ever heard. And he always says, it is your job as a bass player to get your drummer laid. And I thought that was great. It's oh, true. That's cool. I, I like that. <laughs> I want to like make sure that my, that I want to do everything I can to make sure people on stage are having fun and that the audience is having fun. Um, and if I don't have a microphone, that means just playing well. It means like, you know, make make letting everybody know on stage that I'm listening to them and like playing little things that let them know I'm listening. And, so would know, it be more of a studio thing when you're actually, you're writing the songs 
is that when you would maybe think, go home and think about, oh, cool, what that lyric, that, that meant a bit to me today or that chord progression? Is it maybe in the studio or, or is it, how does it you know, work for you when you're writing? Maybe do you feel things a bit more, you've got a bit more time to process it rather than you're, you're doing your, your job on stage? I'm not, uh, ask that, but different. I don't get it. So like if, you know, like if you're in the studio or even if you're writing at home with, with the girls or who you've been working with, maybe you're, you're then in the studio, is, does, when you're writing the material, does that give you more time to reflect on what you've just written and, you know, the music of it, the melody? Does that, maybe you go away from the studio at night thinking, you know, wow, that was really a nice moment today. Or like you said about on stage, you're focused on doing your job and performing it to the best of your ability. If you're in the studio and recording and writing music, does that give you more time to reflect on what you've what you're producing? I think I'm such a writing newbie. Like I, I haven't really written that many songs. Um, I, so I think I still I'm a very new like playing bass. I I can do that. You know I still have, but like the writing song thing when Nora and Sasha were like Cat write some songs and I was like, oh I have these but they're probably terrible and they were like these are awesome we're gonna play them you know it was just sort of a it's just it, it was just that this is what you do like yeah. um, i've heard like in i've heard you know let uh you take care what is it the artist way says you take care of the quantity and let the universe take care of the quality so the yeah. idea is just doing it and i think um you know, I had never even set my home studio up. I've done some a little bit of home recording, but until this pandemic, like, so the idea that, you know, I feel really good about my lyrics of my songs. Um, performing them live is a different, it's, it's still uncomfortable for me. That, that's, a, that, again, a really good point is, you hear that a lot in interviews with artists, maybe they don't so much want to, you know, they put out a new album and the first question you get is, well, what does this title mean? And it's like, well, that's for you to decide. I've wrote this song and we, it might not mean anything. I know that a lot of us, you know, say, you know, it's not about me. You know, the people, I think, assume it's straight, straight away about their life, but it could be about something that you've seen on TV or and read in a book. So I like that feeling that you're passing it out to the world and let them decide. And this is kind of leads on to the, the sort of second half of the interview that we're going to talk about uh, a couple of specific albums. So we'll leave that burning in the fire just there. And um, we'll come back to that. But yeah, I like the way you described that. You're making, you're changing my views on things tonight, Catherine. I like this. All the way in New York to <laughs> Scotland. I love it. So I've, I, I, me and my wife listen to a lot of music together and we've had your recently. So for people, obviously, I'll do an introduction at the start of this interview. So just for people in Scotland to make aware of the new record that you've got out from Puss in Boots called Sister. And we just found it so self-soothing, so intimate. You know, um, how have you enjoyed recording and working with Nora and Sarah? How has it been for you? Um, with, well, Sasha, Nora and Sasha. Sasha, sorry, Sasha, sorry. That's okay. Um, well, like I said, it's been, it's been sort of a hyperdrive of, confidence and experience because those two women have the most fantastic voices and songwriting concepts and they're so brave like uh, damn they're out of course today it is insane um i think it's because it's a nice day so the motorcycle people have started to come out but anyway 
The Sons I, of Anarchy are out today in New York. The Sons of Anarchy. I hate watched that show until the end. I hate <laughs> it. And I had a party the day it ended. I was like, I'm free. I'm free. <laughs> so um, they, uh, yeah, basically the level of encouragement of, um, hey, this is something you can try. You know, like, what if you, what if we try this? And then, I don't know, we're, you know, we've all known each other for so long. I mean, yeah. They've known each other for going on 30 years. And I guess I've known Nora for maybe going on 20 years or something. It's wow, that's, that's a long time. Isn't it? That's a long time. Yeah. So it's just to have, you know, uh, we know some, you know, we, we're friends. So it's... Yeah. Uh, that it must make things a little bit easier then. Maybe you feel a bit more comfortable rather than somebody just, you're going into a session, but you don't know them and, and it's it's a bit nerve-wracking. I think that must be... It's, I think it's still very nerve-wracking um, just because I... Sometimes it's easier among strangers. You know what I mean? Like when you're around people that you're intimate with, like that's almost a little more terrifying sometimes. Yeah. But... But I, I've gotten, you know, like this, like when you were just saying, like, hey, you're making me change the way I think. Like getting into a new practice, um, it's things start to, they start to change. Either the new practice will, will like change you, or you'll be like, you know what, I've been doing this and it's, it's just not working for me. I feel like that practice of, of branching out has really worked for me. There's some absolutely like, I know a lot of people when you do interviews. You know, you probably do you do a lot in the media and things like that when new things come out and they'll say things just for the impact of because you're there. But I genuinely hand on heart mean this. Angel dreaming, grass is blue, moved me like beyond my days. Like it was beautiful to hear. I just we we've listened to the record so much in this house. It's really beautiful, Aww. and I think that it's a, such a shame that we're you know you we're going in, we're in this pandemic situation for the. You know, the gigs and everything, especially in Scotland, we're a big nation of going to gigs and we've not been able to see any live music. There was an, actually a guy that plays live. He lived in Leicester in England and he now lives in New York and he's been actually really struggling and he's been doing a lot of live streams. His name's James Maddock. And, um, oh, my, yeah, he's, he's one of my favourites. Oh, guy. he's one of mine. I love him. He's so... I actually played with him. I played with him uh, at a... A thing, and I, I was so excited. He finally asked me to play with him. Oh, so he's, he's got, he's got a new record out uh, at the moment called No Time to Cry. And we're hoping to have him on the podcast very soon. He, he got a song called Williamsburg Bridge that he's wrote, and it's just so beautiful. If you get a chance, uh, have a listen. But yeah, he's got, he's done, he's done a lot of work. And he, he's, he actually was really honest in his streams. He's like, I'm struggling to pay my rent and things like that. So it's such a hard time. What, what would be you know, what is next for you for you guys after I know you've been doing some other projects and that, but it, can you see it, the end of a pandemic and concerts coming back soon or is it has it totally changed the landscape of live music now, do you think? Well, I just first wanna say that traveling in the, the UK and Ireland like has been it's my favorite. The last Jesse tour that the last big one I did, it was like, What if I told you we're only going to the UK and Ireland? It was like sold. I just love <laughs> I just love, I love how you guys do music, the fans that, you know what I mean? Like, there's something about, uh, I love the food, <laughs> I love the weather. Me like, too. I have a, you know, it's like Southern food, you guys. And now you can get anything there. It's not like, you know, when I first started touring here 25 years ago, we would get the raw veggies at Marks and Spencer and they would say on them, do not eat these, they'll make you sick. And then we would all like shit our pants. Like, <laughs> you know, but... Um, 
you know, I am lucky that, uh, so the Puss in Boots stuff, you know, um, you know, we, I have a little, you know, I have some publishing money. So luckily, like, I'm not, I'm not struggling to pay my rent right now, knock on wood. Um, I was playing in a Broadway show. And that show has um, decided to uh, do a um, recording and go on Netflix. So we got to go on the studio last month. Cool. And also, I uh, this song that I recorded at home, I played it for Jesse Mallon, and he loved it. And so I'm, this is going to be my first, like, at popper release. It's just going to be one song on that label, and I'm... I'm actually uh, working on making a music video for it. Wow! So it's all see all this. We had a chat at the start about you talking about though, uh, but nervous about maybe sharing your music. I think we need a Catherine Popper record for maybe <laughs> by the end of lockdown. That's my challenge to you: is to get uh, a full ten songs. I want a full ten songs. I want a video <laughs> for four songs. I want a worldwide tour. <laughs> yeah, right. It's funny. <laughs> about what we're talking about it's the idea you know i think a lot of times it's like okay i I have to i have to accept the fact that i have a chronic illness or that i'm never going to achieve the thing i want it's like instead of having to accept what if i practice the acceptance you know um what if i allowed myself to be terribly angry and still have a nice day or terribly sad or terribly fearful like can i hold can i hold difficult emotions in both hands without feeling like I need to feel I'm going to get lost in sadness or that I have to feel so the song I feel like is it just was really uh uh it just embodied a lot of of the pandemics and just other stuff for me and um you know I'm really excited about this music I don't know like why not right yeah go for it you've you're I think like it just sounds like you're your things are happening for you you're creating opportunities by just putting yourself you know like you said with jesse just the songs just appeared and now it's like mm, maybe maybe i'll make a video and then there's possibly oh, i might make my own music so i think if you like a great advice again to young people putting yourself out there and just don't be scared to share something because you never know who might hear it and who might like it and where you end up in life because of that moment so i think that's that's perfect like so yeah being it just showing up is part of it but i also don't i'm not going to be hard on myself that it took me till this age to do that because i feel like that's just how it happened yeah and i've had a i have a really good time playing bass for other people and i get to sit in the back and complain about the catering and you know (laughs) like being responsible for shit sucks so i'm like a big proponent of that too no i like the idea of that going around just like eating the food we we did a I worked with a, a guy in Scotland. He's actually a, a good friend. His name is Roddy Hart. And he did. we did a tour. We ended up with a playing on a support tour for somebody a, a lot larger in Scotland who I won't probably mention <laughs> in case they listen in. But basically, we just went, we supported them across Scotland and we just, like, ate their food. And just, like, they were really arsy at times, though. It was really, like, we'd get five minutes to re- rehearse or sound check. And, like, this guy and... He was like a session musician for London and he would just sit there for ages, just him. Like she'd, she'd already walked off stage and done her stuff and he was just standing there playing all sorts of shit and we're just like, could we just get five minutes to like plug in at least? And the guy's like, no, I need to get my pit. And he was just so like, so we just we just like, oh, well, we're going to eat everything and just take everything that we can out of this and make the most of it sort of thing. But yeah, it's like, 
I, I like that just being in the background and not being like the lead person. There's a lot of pressure there to kind of be, you know, tell people about the stories and, and the music and like be the lead and at the front. So yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I would, I'd, I'd much prefer the, the putting yourself just out the reach. But yeah, when you push yourself and put yourself out there though, it, it must, it feels good. I've put some stuff out in the last few years and around mental health and things like that. And I was like worrying that I was going to take myself through all this again. And I did really, but the, the impact it's had on people and the comments had back made it all worth it sort of thing. So yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, it's pushing yourself, I think, just to say, look, you can just do this and don't think about it too much. I think that's a good way to think. And like you said about the person on your shoulder, just like, like, yeah, like I'm changing now. Like, yeah, just let them in and just let them sit there, but you still do what you need to do. And, see what the universe gives you back so that's that's pretty cool honestly this is you're you're, you're changing my mindset tonight i'm gonna go and get a full night's sleep i think <laughs> and you know what even if you don't it's okay like it's okay that's yeah. the other thing and, and you can say i'm pissed and that's okay i'm not sleeping and that's like it's all i think i'll just not to get too meta, but there's this woman, Tara Brock, who I've listened to. She has fantastic podcasts. And she talks about the second arrow, which is the feeling that you're having about the feeling. So if I'm feeling like shame or sadness or fear, then there's the second arrow of I shouldn't be feeling this way. Yeah. And if you, I like practice letting go of the second arrow and I'm like, well, what is it? What is it like to just have some shame right now and yeah. some fear? What if I didn't have a, yeah. So I think that that's, been really transformative for me and allowing myself allowing myself to say yes when a really really good friend says i want to put your song out because normally i'd be like i'm not doing that i'm not <laughs> no I, I totally get that and that kind of leads on to just to the next sort of sort of part of the the, the interview and what we wanted to talk about is obviously if for people that may, I may have not uh, known about some of Catherine's work she's worked uh, uh, in the, uh, the band The Cardinals which was uh, Ryan Adams sort of and The Cardinals it was his band that he had for a few albums and uh, uh, we talked a bit before we'd kind of come on over email about some of the some of the albums and things and I just wanted to kind of go through but so it kind of leads on about the mental health sort of thing and just maybe giving yourself an easier ride and so I, I've talked about this album we'll, we'll touch a little bit on Cold Roses but Jacksonville City Nights um I've talked about I'm across many things I've done in, in life around the mental health and, and feeling like I couldn't mm-hmm. couldn't go on when I lost my dad when he passed away and a relationship broke mm-hmm. down and you know it was a total bookmark of my life and it, it it still sits there and the thing now I feel about it is it feels quite healing it it needed I needed it and it carried you know everywhere with me it was like just in my pocket at all time either on my phone or a CD player back then or vinyl. But that and Cold Roses has, has become ever constant. And when sadness has become too much to deal with for me, that's why, well, in general for people, they turn to music and, and, and it has it on in the background. And that's really why I wanted to to talk about this record and in, in, in a little bit of detail about um, some of the recording and just to, you know, just to feel that. Because uh, I know so much about the record in terms of the songs and I've heard them, I could tell you them note for note and the lyrics and things like that, but... It was so interesting to see that there was a little documentary made off the CD, the album that went out called September. And you actually mentioned in it when you were interviewed, uh, you were jokingly sort of angry about every take uh, that Ryan wanted just to roll with it and, and do it again. But you were kind of like, just what you've talked about, like that mind thing was like, oh man, can we not just maybe do it again? And 
So how was that creative process for you battling with that against what Ryan was all about? You know, let's roll with it. Let's, I've got these songs. He had them on, written down on a bit of paper. I was like, I've just got some titles. I don't really have anything. And just went in the studio and kind of went with it. How, how did you deal with that uh, back then? Well, first, I don't think September actually came out, right? Like, No, doc, no the, it went out on a, a limited edition amount of albums and it's been traded on... Uh, like eBay and things like that, but it's ended up. Oh no, I'm sorry. I mean the um, like the documentary. There was just some like a little bit of footage. It didn't go out, did it? Yeah, it is. Uh, well, it didn't go out officially, but it is on the full things on YouTube. Someone's ripped it off the audio, the CD. The, there was a CD that went out with some of the albums, so it did kind of go out. But yeah, really? maybe you didn't know that. Like... <laughs> Hold on, let me see. It, it is on YouTube, um, the full 20 minutes. It's a, I think it's about 20 minutes. Oh, my minutes. God. Oh, no. <laughs> it, it, it's lovely, by the way. It's you. Okay, good. Cause... And you're really funny in it because you. I think there's a part where you and Ryan are coming back to go into the studio, and it's just hilarious. You can hear everyone laughing. So if you get a chance and you can put yourself through watching it, then it is really, it is lovely. <laughs> <laughs> we were, it was just like, it was we were so drunk and like it was such long out you know what i mean it's just such a blur and i'm like to, you know to go back and look at old videos of yourself yeah like, i get danny clinch has like danny clinch has hours and hours and hours and last i had heard like he was never able to get anybody to sign off on doing because there was supposed to be a movie so anyway um the answer to your question um yeah again it was like this was my first I had been in a band before called Hem, H-E-M, and we actually toured the UK many times. Um, but that was sort of my first touring experience. So this was like my first, you know, bigger touring experience. And it was really, it was like really exciting and it was loud and it was just constant, like, you know, uh, he wanted to be together with everybody all the time and make records all the time. And I think being in the studio, you know, he'd say, get there at four and then we'd all get there at four and um, he would show up at like eight and he would have dinner and then we'd just sit there and then he would write a song and that would take like an hour. And then he, he would like get us in the studio and then he would say, just play it. It's like, well, what key is it in? You know what I mean? So I think I learned a lot that day about playing. I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous, but about playing songs I've never heard. Like I have done entire gigs of uh, playing songs that I've never heard. Uh, and I really, it was like, it was a gritty. Um, one time at the Levon Helm Ramble, they forgot to hire a bass player for the night. And, um, and they said, Kat, can you sit in? I was like, I've never played, you know, the majority of this music. And I got up and and uh, played it for three hours and like nobody would have known the difference. So I learned that in, in that band. That's and impressive. Also, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like just, well, maybe this is going to happen next. So then he would let us like, not let us, but he would, uh, maybe the next day we would get there a little early and we would fix our parts enough so we would actually be, be playing chords that resembled the song, but they're still pretty sloppy and which I think is fantastic. I think the, one of the most important things about those records is how they sound, you know? They sound, um, they, they sound like for anyone who, you know, isn't maybe into music production and things like that, I wouldn't, 
sit there and I have done a lot of stuff over my life I wouldn't sit there and go oh my god that is like a half step out or things like that you don't it sounds just like it should like it was you you were at a live gig and that's how and I know from being at the gigs I mean I've seen Ryan uh, and I've actually seen Ryan when you were in the band in Scotland and things I've seen I, I don't know how many times it'll be over probably 15 times or so but they, it just sounded like the record and that's what I loved about that that album but it just came around at a time where I needed it um, and that and, and Cold Roses obviously previous to it but they just came around at that time where it was like I need this record and like the, what he was talking about in the songs I mean in the little clip again if you dare yourself to watch it he, he's, he writes um, um, about the intro to Peaceful Valley and he's also talking about um uh, the hardest part, which I love the start of that song, and he's just like I'm talking. He's, he, and people go away and think, oh, it's about Ryan, and, and then he explains it in the film. It's like well, I'm just talking about this guy. And he's like he's had the heart. He works so hard for what he's got, and he's you know life's tough. And like I just love that sort of like notion about it. It was just like going with what was in his head, and he's I know that he is a sort of, so creative from the interviews I've seen about you know, how he delivers things, and he just he's like Jesse where he'll just he just writes and writes and writes at times. So. Yeah, to get your head around that and, and play it and, and do it as it as it happens, just there in the spot, such a challenge. It would be for me anyway, but the album itself creates so many images, as I said, from life. For me, it's a lot about, it feels, I feel a lot of it, emotion in winter time and, and healing again and what I was going through. So, you know, how did, when you got that record finished and, and it was rubber stamped and it was going out, um, how, you know, how did you kind of like, process that in terms of was it you were straight out on tour or was it kind of a delay or were you just like create it and then play live how, how did it work after that record i mean we didn't stop making records or recording through that whole thing so i to be honest like i don't i mean i'm not really sure i remember the timeline um you know i think was there we did was that yeah, that so that was we made that right after we made probably made cold roses. Like I just I'm never I'm never really <laughs> It was a long time really ago. Yeah. Like I get foggy even as a sober woman, like you know, this the Jack White record, we recorded it and then like uh you know, I was a few years later somebody's like, That Jack record is great. And I was like, I didn't I didn't play on a Jack record. They're like, What are you fucking talking about? You play it's called you know, and I was like, Oh, that came out? Like I just <laughs> You were in the Peacocks. <laughs> I know, it's all bird groups. I'm only in bird groups, just <laughs> Um But uh so I think um yeah, I, I that timeline is foggy and not just because I was drunk a lot. It's just we were always moving we were always making music and you know um we didn't do a ton you know considering like because i was in you know great a band called grace potter and the nocturnals and we toured constantly ryan we didn't tour that much comparatively so yeah there was i think there was a lot of tv stuff from uh i, I can fill you in i've got <laughs> i've watched i watched a lot of stuff i was actually living alone uh, actually further down the line and went back to a lot of the stuff around that era on you get on YouTube and stuff like that so there was a lot of t you did a lot of TV performances in Austin is it Austin Texas something I can't remember what oh, it's Austin called Stiglitz. yeah yeah that was a really beautiful show um, and you had the full band there and things like that so 
What was it like to play with? Um, now I think like I love pedal steel. When I hear that in a record, it's like wow, that's beautiful. Yes. And John Grabov in in that record. What was that like? Have you played with many people that have played pedal steel, or how do you feel about that sort of Americana? I mean, I don't want to pigeonhole it, but that country sinister sound. Do you, do you like do you like it? Would you have it in your records? Well, I played. I did play pedal steel on a Puss in Boots record. Not on a record. I'm sorry. I played pedal steel live. Um, on, there's only like one video of it and it's we uh one time when we played at the barn at levon's barn larry campbell was there i don't know if you larry, larry campbell is he's like he's he he played with bob dylan for years and he played he ran levon's band but he could play everything and he came in and he heard me play pedal steel and it was the first time i had ever taken it out of the house and set it up and i realized oh like the legs can be uneven and i don't fucking know how to fix it so <laughs> So the legs are uneven and it's wobbling and that's like on top of me not being very good. And Larry Campbell came up to me after he said, please do not get any better because that was perfect. I was like, I know, right? Like it's really, I love the sound of the pedal steel. Oh, so I think there's, there's something about that in the harmonica. I think it just feels so sad and blue and just what people sometimes want to hear in, in different parts of songs. And I like that sometimes where you think you know where the song is going to go, but then it goes somewhere else. I think a lot of music at times, you know, can be a little bit predictable in in that chord progression, but it's nice when it goes a different way and, and something else comes in you don't expect. And I love that about certain records, especially this one, there was a lot of sort of change in the sort of uh, style of the songs. I know, I know Nora played on Dear John and I think maybe they wrote that one together and that's a beautiful song and the story of that song as well. Was there any... I know you said your memory at that time, and it is a long time ago. Do you have a favourite song from those sessions or a moment that stands out that you you remember about that recording process? I just, you know, it was great. Like like that Oh John song, um, they recorded it, at the, I think, on the piano next to each other. Like, it was not, like, it was really, you know, you can hear the, pedal, the sound of the pedals. Um, it was fantastic. And there was a moment where um you know that song peaceful valley uh i'm trying to remember why me and ryan went out together to overdub the guitar and the upright bass and chris feinstein was there because he was a very good friend um with brad pemberton and they were in the booth and i was singing and playing with Ryan, I didn't really know the lyrics and we were maybe overdubbing or something, which rarely happened. And on that song, I'm literally just following him and we, we just we just got like it was we were so in sync, it was crazy. Um and I Brad and Chris were in the booth and they were just beaming and Chris had tears in his eyes when I came back in and he was like I cannot believe what I just saw. Like, that was so... He's like, you were such a fantastic bass player. I feel like to hear that from somebody who I respected so much um, was just for them to watch that moment happen. Because it, it is pretty magical when you connect with somebody to the point where you have no idea what they're going to do and you and you manage to lock in. is uh, It's pretty special. So I remember that, you know? That, that's, a, that's a really beautiful moment to share. That just, like, gave me chills here. And I could, I could just close my eyes and 
pretend I'm sitting in the studio eating Marks and Spencer's pasta, uh, <laughs> watching that. It's just like, I think there's a, a beautiful moment that there's a line at that song when he, it, it kind of slows down. It's like trying to find a peaceful song to sing when everything goes wrong. I mean, it's just so beautiful. It's just like, it can stop you, especially the times we're in just now, just finding that time to stop and slow down and... I think there's a, another song. It's actually at the end of the the play. It, what's played at the end of the film, "Hard Way to Fall," which is, I think, one of the most beautiful love songs like I've like ever heard. It's just like stunning to me. It's really beautiful. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you get a chance and you feel like you want to watch it, you can see it on YouTube, and I'll I'll share the link out to anyone who may be interested. I know we've got uh, there's quite a few Ryan fans that have listen to some some of the other podcast stuff we've done. So um thanks Catherine for sharing that sort of intimate moment there about that album. Um I think looking in from the outside, a lot of it feels like a lot of loss of love and people and everything that surrounds them, that the human demands of life, where that person comes from, the roots of life. It just that's what that record feels like to me and I think it's um you should be really proud of like being part of the, the, that band in that time, I think it's such a special for a lot of Ryan fans. Um, you know, you know, no matter what is going on at the at the moment, I think there's still a lot of people that love that era of the, the band, and that's one of the most special parts of uh, his career to a lot of people. So you should, I think personally, for me to you, should feel really proud, and 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 one day maybe the Cardinals will reform. Although I know that when you talked about Chris, was that. I might be that I might be wrong, but I, I know he had a bass player um, that passed away. That wasn't the same person, was it? No, was that a different person? That yeah, that was Chris. That was Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he he was. I've seen the, the band a few times live in Edinburgh, and I think it was Edinburgh Picture House is the last one I've seen. And yeah, he was. That yeah, was such a sad moment. And um, you said you you knew Chris well. I mean, how did was that a difficult time to get through? And, and when of you, course, I mean, it was just look like. You seem quite close knit in New York. Everybody seems to like you, that band of like musicians, and like you said, you know Jesse and, and James, which is cool that you know James. Mad. Is it quite like that? Is it a, like a family in New York with musicians, and do you meet up and share stories and play music together? Yeah, I think a, you know a lot of us know each other. Especially, there's certain haunts, you know, um, and we all there was like a few watering holes that I don't go to anymore. It's not just because I don't drink; it's just because I, you know I live out. I'm doing. I'm just. I don't have the energy anymore, but, um, there's, you know, there's, it was, look, it was like a fantastic time. It was a terrible time. It was, it was a, uh, you know, it's, um, I would not trade that time for anything, but you know, there's a lot, there was just a lot, uh, there was a lot of everything. Yeah. A big bit of life going on at the same, all at the same time. Well, it's, you know, there was, there was a lot of dysfunction too. And I think that that happens in any band. Um, and I think, you know, uh, it's just getting older is really, is really interesting and you only get to do it if you're lucky. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think especially now more than ever, people who are losing loved ones, I know there you know, things in America are getting spiraling out a little bit of control but also in the UK things have spiraled out and the government are really struggling at times to know what the right thing to do is um so yeah I think more now than ever you know to be to like I'm 40 I've just turned 40 I feel lucky to like feel that I would I, I had so many things in my head like when I was younger like oh you'd be lucky to get to that and now that I'm here I'm like right let's 
forget about all that and now try and just enjoy each day. I've got a you know, ten month old, a six year old and my wife. Oh, wow. Yeah, and just like I don't I've just recently stopped well, not many people know this, we'll probably might as well announce it on a podcast, but stopped the alcohol altogether. I just didn't like the aftermath of it and how I was affected by it and I've it's about, you know, maybe two or three months now where I'm just went, right, that's it for me, I'm forty. I'd rather feel fresh and spend time with my mm-hmm. family and be in control of my mind and thoughts and what I do rather than, you know, worrying about how it, it, the alcohol makes you feel and get, it was getting out, you know, binging and it was getting out of control a lot. So it's really refreshing to hear you talk about how long that you've not had a drink and like things have, you know, it's just life's changed for you. So to get to the ages that we are both at, I think we should be, we, we, well, we are grateful and I think a lot of people are feeling that this year that just to be alive is something, isn't it, at the moment? Just to be alive, which is such a huge thing. But Catherine, I, I just want to say, before we finish up, because um, I've taken up a lot of your time and I could probably talk to you all night, or, or all night in Scotland, the darkness has just fallen. I know it's <laughs> afternoon dinner time for you, but I just want to say thanks so much for taking time out um, of your, your day to have a chat with me. And I've really loved it. I've got so many more questions but maybe we can catch up a, another time when your new record comes out and your world tours announced <laughs> hey thank you no i've really enjoyed talking to you and i just want to reiterate to anybody outside of the u.s who's not listening like i don't know anybody who supports donald trump okay like nobody i know so please don't <laughs> they were all like insane backwards shit-eating hillbillies because we're really not like there's a lot of us who are who are not that way so like please have patience with us <laughs> every every person i mean we've got boris john well we we're in scotland so we have a devolved government but we're still in tow with england we've got boris johnson so between the two of them i don't think they could fit a light bulb but um <laughs> i've spoke to a lot of people i've spoke to a couple of people in new york and um interviews and stuff with, with americans and things and they're all saying the same thing so i don't know who it is if he's rigging these votes or not but i think you is your voting time coming up soon Catherine's is it close yes and that's gonna affect we were you know trying to figure out winter because i'm not doing vinyl on the single it's gonna go just it's gonna be a digital release in the video and we're like so is the world going to end before the election or after? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, cause, like either way, it's going to be really ugly here. We've never had that happen. So do people want to hear music? Are people going to, are we going to have electricity in, on, in America? Like who fucking knows what's going to happen? So just, you know. Well, we came over to New York a, a couple of years. Uh, I surprised my wife and we came over. And um, we we so desperate to come back to the city. It's the city, the city I love the most. I love Scotland to pieces, but New York is my my second home. I would call it. I just love it. And we're hoping to bring the kids and come over and see. So hopefully, um, you know that will happen, and and things for for you guys can get back to some sort of normality, and you can, you know, maybe life has changed, but you know, hopefully, a new. <laughs> president or somebody or somebody out there can come in and sort out everything that's going on because some of the things he's saying is just like i noticed he made a comment about um oh what's her name i'll get shot because i didn't know this but um the one that's married to prince harry oh what's this i can't remember the name of her now but she's uh she was in suits the, the oh what's her name i can't remember uh, yeah 
don't know. Oh, what's her name? We can't, none of us can remember. But anyway, he made a really crass comment about it in a like, live interview on TV. And it's like, he was basically saying, good luck to Prince Harry. He's going to need it. Like, I'm like, I'm like, what is that all about? You can't do that as a president. You wouldn't see Barack Obama coming out with, like, crass comments like that. It's just... Crazy, and the idea if a black man had said these things, it would have been like just it's just such a perfect example of privilege that this rich old white guy can say this stuff. But had Barack Obama said it, the you know the world would have been on fire. So it's just no, we're like we're horrified and exhausted, and um, yeah, people, we cannot wait to get back over to play for you guys again. Meghan so, Markle, that's the name. That's the name. Meghan yes, Mar- Meghan Markle. Yeah, that's oh, right. Christ, I knew that. Yeah, we honestly let's get back on the music because we're we're totally like going for it there. But that's that's how people feel about it. I think yeah, it'd be great to to come back to UK and Ireland, to come up to Scotland. We've got you know the lovely venues here. We'd love to see you back playing uh, with Puss and Boots and maybe with Jesse at some point as well. I know Jesse loves coming to play King Tut's and Glasgow Barrowlands and all these beautiful, lovely, amazing venues we've got here. So. <laughs> Good luck with your uh, hopefully the stuff coming out on Netflix and obviously with some of the new the new song coming out maybe with Jesse and Puss in Boots as well. Um, I can't wait to hear what you guys do next. I think your harmonies and your your songwriting is beautiful and we love it here in Scotland. So make sure you come across and see us soon when this is all over. And thank you so much, Catherine. I've I've it's honestly been brilliant to chat to you. I've been so excited about this all week. Um, oh, you wouldn't believe. You come to New York, shoot me an email, and we'll grab a, uh, a soda pop. And I'll bring some Marks and Spencer's uh, dodgy vegetables and pass <laughs> over for you. you. You tell me what you want from Scotland, I'll bring it over in, in a package for you. You can get some iron brew or whatever it is. Oh my God, that's ha- Haggis or whatever it is we've got that Americans like. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's fantastic. Thank Ka- you so Catherine, much. take care and stay safe, and uh, we'll hear from you soon. And I will be sharing out all the links uh, if you are new to the podcast and you haven't heard of uh, some of Catherine's music, Kuinora and Sasha, I will get that shared out. It is a beautiful album. Please listen to it. Please buy the vinyl. Please buy the T-shirt. You know everything you can. These guys are no gigs at the moment, really, just live streams. So the best we can do to support everyone. And Catherine, we'll catch up soon. And uh, it's been beautiful. And take care. Hey, stay safe, dude. Thank you. See ya. Well, what a lovely chat that was with Catherine. Absolutely loved it. One of my favourites that I've done just because she taught me so much. I've thought about things differently. I really can't wait to catch up with her again in the future and hopefully maybe we can get the whole band on at one point. Thanks for listening in. You can listen on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, across the whole board, wherever you find your podcast, Talk Tonight is on it. Please leave a like, leave a share across social media, the Talk Tonight podcast, and I'll be seeing you all soon. Take care.